0: I said that, told Joe that I wanted to talk about prayer and God's will, which sometimes becomes a bit of a a sticky subject because I did the things that uh, Acts, Luke chapter 11, when Jesus gives the illustration of the persistency, and in Luke chapter 18 again he repeats that. Be persistent in your prayers, and when you finish those passages, you kind of get the impression, well, if I'm persistent, and then Jesus said, pray in my name, so I'm persistent, I'm praying in Jesus' name, well, then you're supposed to get what you prayed for. Well, I didn't get what I prayed for, Uh, but I got his will, his will was done, regardless of my prayer, and... uh, that's sometimes very difficult for us to uh, deal with. And before I get into that particular issue, I also I, I think it's important that we say this: we're all going to die if, if the Lord, unless the Lord comes before the ra- comes you may some of you may be here at the rapture, and I hope you are. I'd, I'd kind of like that. But uh, unless, there, unless uh, that happens, we're all going to die. And, and we shy away from talking about death. Uh, and sometimes, and I want to say this, very unfortunately we make a lot of jokes about death, and I think that's entirely inappropriate. It does not help. Pagans make jokes about death because they're afraid of death. And I don't, uh, I, I don't make jokes about that. You all remember why there is death. Jesus told Adam, I mean, God told Adam, the day you eat eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, then that day you will die. And then, of course, we know the chapter is (laughs) all those people died, and he died, and he died, and he died. I think I marked that in my Bible how many times I said that. Uh, What is death? Death is separation. Physical death, separation of the soul from the body spiritual death, the separation of the soul from God who created the soul. But in Genesis, when it said He created man and He became a living soul, that soul was destined to live eternally. And what you do with Jesus Christ is going to determine where you spend eternity, where your soul is going to spend eternity, either with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven and glory or in the pain of death, of hell, and fire, and all those terrible things that the Bible speaks about. And, uh, you know, when Joe originally called me and asked me if I wanted to preach at the end of the month, I said yes, and, of course, at that time, Jenny was not sick. I want to make it clear that they told me that I didn't have to preach today. This is I'm not here because they (laughs) cracked the whip. Uh, (laughs) LAUGHTER I'm here because I want to be here, and I asked them if they would allow me the privilege to preach to you this morning. And uh, there's a passage of Scripture in Hebrews 2, and I want to just say these couple of things about death quickly before we get into the issue of prayer and and God's will. But Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, therefore, since verse 14, and in, in our, our pastor alluded to this this morning, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who has the power of death, that is the devil, that he might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives." Now, some people ask me, well, how do we know? How do we prove out that death is truly the separation of the soul from the body and the soul lives forever and lives eternally? And, you know, there's one very graphic illustration of this in Genesis chapter 35, which is absolutely inescapable uh, unless you're some liberal preacher that wants to do gymnastics with a text, and we don't do that here. But in the death of uh, Jacob's dear wife. She was in labor with uh, Benjamin Rachel and, and she gave, uh, began to give birth in verse 16 of Genesis chapter 35. Rachel began to give birth and she suffered severe labor. And when she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, do not fear for now you have another son. Now verse 18 is very, very clear. It came about as her soul was departing before she died, and she named him Benonoi, but his father called him Benjamin. The soul was leaving her body. The body goes into the grave. The eternal destiny of the soul is determined by what you have done with the salvation that our Lord God has offered in this life. In Hebrews nine twenty-seven. Wanted for man to die once and then comes a the judgment. But if you pass from this life into the next in Christ, then you escape the judgment that awaits all others who have rejected that offer of salvation. And every one of us here, I don't know, it's just too large a group to suggest that everybody here is saved. So if you have not giving your life to Christ. I preached on hell here a few weeks ago. (laughs) Frankly, I had intended originally to preach on death. I thought, well, I can think I'm the grim reaper. But, uh, you know, you read through the Scriptures on hell, and that's not some place you want to go. And if you doubt that the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I come, that they might have life and have it abundantly... And if you reject that, you are in terrible, terrible trouble because as our our pastor pointed out this morning, there's only one Lord, one faith. There's there's just one baptism. There is no other. There's no other way. There's no other escape. Somebody said to me once, it's a poor mouse that's only got one hole in Well, I'm going to tell you something. We have only one. And you find that one As the Lord pulls you and directs you. Jesus said, No one can come to me unless my Father first draws him. So kind of bear those things in mind as we move into this. Why do we pray if God's going to have his will anyway? Uh, Some people don't pray. I've actually had some people who claim to be believers, they don't pray. And they don't pray because, well, God's going to do what he's going to do anyway. Why why am I going to pray? What's the point? Why bother to pray? God's going to do what he's going to do. And then others I've had say to me, well, yeah, I pray, but they pray with a kind of resignation that they don't have any faith in their prayers because, again, well, I do pray because I'm supposed to, but... I, God's going to again do what He's going to do anyways. So why do we pray? Let me say something and in, in, in quote Thomas Watson. The, the uh, bookstore had his, uh, had a paperback of his uh, works in there for a while. Uh, some of you may have seen the advertisement. And i got to tell you, even though he was a Puritan living in the 1600s, and I know some of those guys, you got to read a paragraph 14 times before you understand what they're saying. <laughs> because they used the language in those days differently than we do today. But Thomas Watson, and my, I found him to be very readable. And uh, and I read him years ago. I got an old 1970 <laughs> version of his book that I read years ago. But, he said this about providence. He said this about the sovereignty of God. And, and I'm kind of using the two things interchangeably, it's a slight difference, but it's God's authority and rule over our lives and his creation. And, and so I think we can fairly use the, the two terms, providence and sovereignty, interchangeably. I hope that's, is that okay, Joe? We, okay. Uh, he said this regarding God's providence. He said, God's providence is greatly to be observed but not to make it the rule of our actions. It is good to observe providence, but we must not make it our rule to walk by. He went on to say this, providence is a Christian diary, but not his Bible. Now you should be able to understand very quickly how this works with what I've just said. If I live my life trying to stay ahead of God according to His sovereign will, I wouldn't do anything. As I told a, young, I told a man this morning, I said, God doesn't drive parked cars. God wants active Christians and He wants active Christians that follow His Word, not try to second guess what His sovereign will is. Uh, those people who don't pray, are negligent and disrespectful and disobedient and sinful. Uh, Does God want us to pray? Well, you can look at Psalm 141, and I've got some verses here that I want to go with you because I want to first of all point out and make sure there's no mistake, God wants us to pray. He called us to pray. Psalm 141, the writer David says this, and certainly David prayed. The Psalms are full of his prayers. May my prayer be counted as incense before you. Uh, uh, Incense, a sweet savor that rises in your nostrils, that rises in his nostrils. May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands in the evening offering. Uh, Steve Lawson, in his commentary on Psalms, said this. Here David compares his prayer as a pleasing offering to the Lord. Uh, Frankincense, incense, uh, pictures David's prayers to God. Lifting up of hands pictures our dependence on him. For everything, uh, incense is regarded in the old, in, in the especially the Old Testament, as a, our prayers rising to God, which is pleasing to Him. You want to please God. You want to please God. You pray, and when you're in trouble, you pray. When you're not in trouble, you pray. How many times have we seen someone, uh, they got a a newborn baby, and the the baby just howls and screams and creates a lot of commotion, but eventually uh, that baby begins to grow and mature, and you know, it goes through the toddler stage and so on. But how many mothers have called dad at work to say, Mike just said his first words. How many of us get all excited because all of a sudden, wow, he spoke, he said words. We're the only mandate. We were created for fellowship and relationships. We're created to talk and commune and and, and be with each other. I, I can't count the number of people that I, just even this morning, that put their arms around me. And it didn't scare me. (laughs) I welcome that. It's just just another evidence of God's assurance to me that no matter how painful this has been, he is with me, and he demonstrates that through his people. We're not called to be loners. Earlier in my life, I thought of myself as a loner. And frankly, I, I was a bit I decided to come to California, and I got in a car and put everything I owned in the trunk and took Route 66, and by myself, I drove to California, slept in the car, ate fast food, and whatever, and uh, and I, I was, you know, I was kind of proud of that. I don't need anybody. Well, I was a Christian at the time, but I didn't understand the things then that I understand now. And it took a while before I began to realize I need God's people. And never has that been more pronounced in my life than now. And never have I enjoyed the fellowship and the support and the prayers that you have offered to me. And I'm so grateful because I have said, Lord, I need your comfort. I need your peace. I need your hope. I need your help. I can't go through this by myself. And I remember what he said to Abraham in Genesis 15:1. I will be your shield. And how does he give evidence of that? Not only through just the internal comfort that he brings through the power of his Holy Spirit, but through you when you minister to one another. And how are you going to minister to another, one another if you don't know what our needs are? And where do you find out about our needs? In church. It's what Hebrews tells us: forsake not the assembling of yourselves. I can't say this to you with with any greater degree of intensity. The need for this. And how people allow themselves to let the government turn them into cowards and run. There's never been a time in this country's history when we needed each other more than we need now. And we don't run. My son called me, my younger son, He's not. This was a tall one. The other one's more my height. <laughs> he uh, Christmas Day. He said to call his mom and dad. He said my grandson, my his son, my grandson had been exposed to COVID. Well, Janie and I hadn't changed our life for two years, doing everything we'd always done. But what? He gave us the option, of course, not to come. But his unsaved father-in-law was going to be there. He didn't care. He's, he's coming. He's going to spend Christmas with his daughter-in-law. And his daughter, I mean, and his son-in-law. And I remember saying to Janie, if we don't go, what kind of a witness is that? To an unbeliever. We're scared? Yeah, we went. And a few days later, Janie began to feel some very minor symptoms, sore throat, you know, and so on. And eventually the Lord took her home. And I know there's people, and I'm not going to mention names, but there's people going to jump on that. Let me remind you of something. David said in Psalm 139, very clearly, the number of my days is in your book. And some needle stuck in your arm is not going to change that. The Apostle Paul said and when he was preaching to the people there in, in Athens in Acts chapter 17, he said, God has appointed the bounds and times and habitations of every man beyond which he cannot pass. You're not going to live one day longer than God has ordained it from eternity past. You're going to die at exactly the, the, the moment. And when that cell phone went off last week and I was here in church, the doctor said, as I told him, they massaged her heart once, and I said, "Don't do it again." The Lord wants her; He can, have, He can have her. And I prayed, and I said, "Lord, You're going to have her for all eternity. Can to have her for a few more years?" But we were married almost fifty-six years. She was seventy-eight. The good times don't go on forever, and don't have anybody talk you talk you into say thinking that they will. We've had a wonderful marriage, a wonderful life that God put together. And I also want to point out that there's other people here. I'm not the Lone Ranger. I told the elders this last week when they gathered around me and prayed. I know I'm not the Lone Ranger. There's some of you right here in this room that have gone through what, I've gone, what I'm going through. Some man came up to me this morning, uh, <laughs> sat down, grabbed me, sat down. He said, sit down here. And he started talking to me about grieving and telling me about how he had lost his wife two years ago and gave me a book about, on grief, and, and uh, I didn't even know who he was. <laughs> I'm sitting there nodding my head, trying to be polite and courteous, but I thought, who is this guy? <laughs> but he was a dear saint, and he, and he, he was just demonstrating, he, he had heard about this and demonstrated his love for me right here before the morning worship service worship service started. <laughs> How can you explain that apart from the clear direction from our Lord to bring comfort to one of his people who are suffering? Well, it's, just, it's just wonderful. And, and Prayer is more than a request. And that's, this is what I want to kind of get to here. We're called to prayer. We're supposed to pray, but prayer is, we think of prayer as a, as a time to get, And Paul says that in Philippians, bring your requests before the Lord. That's true. We bring our requests before the Lord. We're supposed to. But it's more than a request. It's worship. It's praise. It's thanksgiving for all that he's done. Spurgeon said this. I think he said it. (laughs) I read it somewhere, and I think it was Spurgeon, but... Are we silent to God? Have you nothing to ask of him? Nothing to thank him for. Nothing to praise him for. Nothing to confess. Oh, poor soul. Now, that's got to be Spurgeon. Only he talks like that. (laughs) Oh, poor soul, go back to Bethlehem, to Gethsemane, to Calvary, and remember at what a cost the veil before the Holy of Holies, before the Holy Place, the Holy of Holies, I'm sorry, the, the, the veil between the Holy Place and the Holy of Holies, the cost that brought about the renting in two from top to bottom that we might enter. Matthew 27, 51. God's sovereignty, providence does not negate the need for prayer. God wants us to pray. He wants to hear from us. He gave us the ability to speak, to communicate. He wants us to cry out to him to humble ourselves before Him, declare dependence on Him for everything. That is, if we are to experience the fullness of our communion with God, to grow spiritually in love, to walk in obedience to His law, to practice His truth, we must learn to pray. The Scriptures are God speaking to us. Prayer is our speaking to Him in response to what He says in His Scriptures. In John 16, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said to pray in his name. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, cast all our cares on him. Twice the disciples said, teach us to pray. In Matthew 6 and and, uh, Luke chapter 11, teach us to pray. Psalm 145, verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto all of them that call upon him. In Psalm 4, verse 3, but know that God has set apart the Holy One for Himself. The Lord hears when I call to Him. And in Psalm 62, verse 5, and I'm going to turn to this. Uh, I have a lot of notes in my Bible in case somebody asks me a question I can't answer. Uh, they think I'm smart. Uh, Psalm 62, it says, My soul waits in silence for God only, for my hope is it, from Him. He is. He only is, listen, my rock and my salvation. W- would you pray to anybody else? We don't pray to Mary, and we don't pray to dead people. We pray to the living Lord. And the people came to, one woman said, from the crowd to Jesus, and, he, and she said, "Oh, bless the, the, the breasts that nursed you." Ha ha!" He said, "No, no, no, no. Blessed are they who hear and obey my word. If he ever had a chance to exalt Mary, he would have done it then. That kind of Catholic nonsense needs to be repudiated at every opportunity. We pray to our God, if we ever experienced the fullness, How do I, I don't want to communicate with Mary. I don't want to communicate with anybody that's made of the same material I am and suffered the same death that I'm going to someday. I want to, I want to communicate with the one who gives life, sustains life, who's the living God. Why would you want to communicate with somebody else? To grow, I want to grow spiritually. I want to learn to love in a deeper way. I want to walk in obedience. I want to practice His truths. And to do all of that, again, we pray. And that doesn't mean that we don't bring our supplications before Him, our petitions. By the way, I read all these verses in, in the Legacy Bible. Joe has put in there, instead of supplication, he's put petition. So you can talk to him about that. I don't know. but <laughs> <laughs> But... I kind of like the word supplication, but then I'm old and I've gotten used to that. <laughs> but he said, "With Thanksgiving, let your request be made known." And so we we do that uh, in Psalm 91, and I, I want to go to this, and then we'll move on here. In Psalm 91, uh, verse 15. Uh, Because he has loved me, and he's talking about this one who has declared their their love in the Lord, who is trusting in him for their security and and, uh, their sustenance. Because he has loved me, this, this, this one, this saint, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. Known him in an intimate way through faith. And he will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with a long life. I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. That's a promise from our Lord. And it's not a promise to be negated. He, he loves us. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 16, therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. James wrote, draw near to him and to God, and he will draw near to you. In James 5, verse 16, in the, the latter half of that verse, he said, the effectual prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. There are at least 20 places in the New Testament, in the Gospels, I'm sorry, the Gospels themselves that show either Jesus actually in prayer or giving instruction in some way or speaking about prayer in some way. To fail to pray or to pray with a kind of resignation, oh well, I'm just going to pray, I have to, or go, is going against the clearly revealed will of God. God has his good purposes and God has called us to come to him in prayer that he might reveal to us in answer to those prayers what his plan is. Now, how am I going to know what God's plan is? Years ago, I was going to leave and, and move away from Aguadulce, and I was going to move here to Valencia. I didn't know what house to buy, so I brought it before the Lord. I don't know those things. I had—I don't know what his plan is. And back when he directed me to leave Buffalo, of course, anybody with any degree of sanity would have left there, But <laughs> uh, and to come to California... I didn't even know at the time, honestly, that he was guiding me every step of the way, protecting me every step of the way, watching over me every step of the way. I didn't know, and I didn't understand that, but look back on my life now. He was involved in every single part of it. Even at the time, I didn't know enough to pray, but he was still there to be my guard and my shield and the one who gave me discernment and direction, and we moved into the house in Valencia that he, he had set aside for us. Fell out of the first time it was sold, it fell out. Why? Because he preserved it for Janie and I. He did all that. Now let me, let me tell you a second thing here. You don't have to turn to this because I've got it written out. And, and, but the second thing is, you know, Samuel, who anointed Saul and then he anointed David, he was also a prophet and a priest, a kingmaker. <laughs> he wore a bunch of hats. And we're introduced to him in 1 Samuel. And later on in the 12th chapter, when the people are demanding a king, and they realize their sin, and then all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God so that we may not die. For we have added to all of our sins this evil by asking for ourselves a king. Samuel responded in verse 23, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. To sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. It is a sin not to pray. And especially intercessory prayer, which is what I've talked about earlier, praying for one another. I don't know all your names. I don't know where you are spiritually, but I pray for this class. I pray for Joe. I pray for Abner. Where is Abner? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many times, I've I, I lost count how many times the phone rang and I picked it up and it was Abner and, and Joe or somebody here from the church. We just wanted you to know, Terry, we're praying for you. And they may not have known 1 Samuel twelve twenty three, but they were following God's will and praying for me. I can't tell you what a joy it was to pick up that phone and to hear some kind voice on the other end saying, and saying sincerely, we're praying for you. And that doesn't mean I want everybody to call me tomorrow morning. Because frankly, I'll probably be in bed sound asleep, but... Secondly, prayer to the Father in the name of the Son brings glory to God, John 14, 3. We don't have to look at 13, I'm sorry, John 14, 13. It brings glory to God. You not want to bring glory to God, then pray. Pray brings glory to Him because it's a recognition of your dependence on Him and seeking Him for discernment and understanding for whatever it is you're facing. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? People can pray that when they have a close communion with their Lord and they, they, and they learn through prayer and seeing him uh, answer those prayers, <clears throat> that they can trust him. Trust is, is so important. How many people here in this room have had interactions with people, maybe saved, maybe unsaved, and you come away shaking your head because they have deceived you somehow, some way, and a bad deal. He told you they're going to do something he didn't do, and so on. (laughs) That's not true with our Lord. He will never do that. You can trust him. And even in these times of sorrow, he doesn't make mistakes. I can trust him. The fourth point, our Lord draws us closer to us through prayer for a greater, more confident walk of faith through our communion with him. Again, James four eight says, draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Why? It's through prayer. But verse 10 says this, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. You know that I can sense that, even feel that at this moment. Just the privilege that he's given me to be able to speak to you this morning. God is, is this is a sense of just energy and excitement and exaltation that comes when you know God's at work in your life and you know you're doing what he wants you to do, no matter what other issues you may be facing. There's nothing like it. You can't explain it. When he's at work in your life, you know it. When he's directing you, when you're drawing from his strength, when you're trusting in his protective care, there's nothing to match that. There's no human being on this earth that can do it like he does it. Uh, again we've mentioned this five prayers reminds us of our dependence and I don't know how many times before I've had to preach or teach the churches I've pastored or been in and bible studies and stuff that I've had to quote these words to myself I am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and abide there just very simply just means stay put and I in him, he learns much, he he bears much fruit. And now here's the key, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And I tell you, when you preach and teach, the temptation to pride is extremely, extremely poignant. And you have to keep this prayer on your lips all the time, in your heart reminding yourself, I can't do this apart from your power. Fifthly, you continuing prayer helps to develop humility in us, which we bless. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, Psalm 84, 5. And therefore, Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, humble yourselves, Bring your, cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Now, finally, we come to, to, to the end here, just one the, of the, the final things I want to talk about, and that is prayer aligns us with the will of God. Remember what, what Watson said? His sovereignty is our diary, it's not our Bible. We take comfort in his sovereignty. Uh, and when we pray... Here's a thing that I think, one of the things that I've learned in a more profound way over this past week or so, First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, this is the confidence we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And We know he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked, him, asked from him. Uh, In John chapter 14, verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Why? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. The key that turns the lock in these verses is that you are first and foremost seeking God in prayer to discover what His will is in regard to whatever it is you're facing. As I heard our pastor say once a thousand years ago, when I first started coming here, God is not a genie in a bottle that you rub a few times and he pops out and does whatever you want. I don't know if he said it exactly like that, but (laughs) close. And I remember those words stuck with me. They stuck with me. And I had to remember those things when I was praying because I did everything we're supposed to do. I was persistent. I prayed every day. I beseeched the Lord. I begged the Lord. I pleaded with the Lord. I cried to the Lord. Matter of fact, my Labrador came up to me when I was in weeping and I was praying and I was weeping and I, was, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get through the day. And I felt this cold nose against my hand. <laughs> and he was actually pushing my hand and trying to get me to raise up because he knew something was wrong and he didn't know what <laughs> now I don't want to make more out of a dog than, <laughs> but I got to tell you he was even I thought <laughs> Lord you even given the dog to help me <laughs> but uh, the key is, is, is I was persistent, I pleaded I, I, I begged but God's will was done And uh, I didn't know what God's will. So why do we pray? We usually pray to get, as we've said, we want our will to be done, not his. And I think, and I'm learning this not only because God's put it in my head and because of the verses, but experientially uh, that the first and foremost reason I pray is to honor him, to glorify him, to be pleasing for our lives. And I've said this to some people in the prayer room when, when I'm, I'm there, and I talk to people, and I say, God has forged a path for you before you ever came into this world, before you were ever born, before you, he wove you in your mother's womb. He forged a path for you. Our purpose as believers is to discover that path, get in it and on it, and follow it all the way till that moment that he takes us home. Now, we know what his path is morally and ethically. We know it's a path that is forged for us by our faith in Christ. We know that. But I'm talking about those areas and those issues that are unknowns to us. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God. You're discovering as you go through your life, where do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? I was talking to a young man this morning in a prayer room. And he said, talking about his sister and his brother, and how he just felt bad because they seemed to know where they were going and what they were going to do, and these, these uh, things were, were happening in their lives. And he was, he was, he said, but there's just nothing, going, I don't know what my purpose is. And so we talked and we had prayer. And I felt really bad for him because he generally has some issues. And but he comes and, and he listens, and we pray, and hopefully the Lord will begin to show him. But in prayer, we we should we should focus on God, and so too far too often we focus on ourselves. And because our focus is on ourselves instead of the Lord, when He brings an answer we're not happy with, then it, it, it's it's extremely difficult because we say, well, Lord, I did all the things you're supposed to, I was supposed to do. But the one thing you failed to do was surrender yourself to his will. Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He, this cup, we we can't imagine the level of suffering. We look at his physical suffering Remember, I was pastoring a church when Gibson's movie came out, and I, somebody told me, you need to see that movie. So I thought, well, okay, I'm, I got, people are going to ask me questions. I guess I ought to. And I labored through it once, never again. But we focus so much on his physical suffering. We have no idea what he suffered spiritually. I mean, the wrath of the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We, we can 't imagine that we 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 don't we, he went through all that to save us, but also to open up the doors for prayer to talk to him and, and and when we pray, we should want his glory above all else. we want his will to be done in our lives above all else jesus said in that in that terrible time in the garden when he poured was pouring his heart out, that even angels had to come and give him strength to get through it. And in Luke twenty two forty two, 42, he said, but not my will, but thine be done. That has got to be the, cruci- the, the, the crucible of your prayer life. It doesn't mean you don't bring your request before him. It doesn't mean you don't plead for him, plead to him and ask him. And, and yes, you want those right answers. Yes, I wanted him to restore my wife. But it wasn't his will. And and, and my my prayer had to be, and it took a while for me to get there, but not my will, but thy be done, thine be done. And I had to surrender her to him because that was his will. You know, when we think about David, much time are we? Oh, we got plenty of time. Uh, <laughs> We look at D- David in 2nd Samuel after his terrible sin with Bathsheba and the child was sick. And uh he prayed for that child's recovery. But we know God did not answer that prayer affirmatively. He he took the child. And I remember when I when you read it says during the time the child was sick he fasted and prayed but God took the child. So what did David do? He got up and ate. 2 Samuel 12. So David arose from the ground. Verse 20 of 2 Samuel 12. So David arose from the ground, cleaned himself up, put on clean clothes. He came into the house of God and worshiped. And then he ate. He requested food from the servants. And they, they they were astounded. They said, well... You were weeping, you were fasting, and now the child is dead, and, and and you're worshiping. You're 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 no longer fasting. You want food, and and he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and I wept, for I said, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me, but the child and the child may live. But now he has died. Should I fast? That's the thing that God is helping me to learn and see. there's no longer there's no reason not to be here there's no reason not to fulfill these purposes for my life he 's made his decision he's told me what that decision is, so I know come to, I come to church and I worship i'm not eating too good right now, but that'll come. but David said, "Why should I fast? God revealed his will he 's not going to bring him back i 'll go to him, and that's I will see Janie again but he will not return to me. And that's perhaps part of the the hardest thing when you look around the house and realize she'll never be in this house again. I'll never again see her sitting on the end of that couch listening to John's sermons and taking notes, which she did every single day. She never missed that. Never missed her time her daily time with John MacArthur, turning that phone on. I don't even know how you turn it on, but she <laughs> she turned that phone on and she listened to a sermon. She'd go through book after book after book. Now she's home. Now she's with the Lord that she learned to love and worship. On the other hand, you look at Hezekiah. He got sick. Uh, and... and, and uh, He prayed to God. He was all upset because he was going to die. What did God do? He said, okay, Hezekiah, I'll tell you what. I'll give you 15 more years. What do you think? I'll take it. He answered Hezekiah's prayer. In 2 Kings 20. That was God's will. God God told Elijah... Tell Ahab, it's not going to rain. Three years, it's not going to rain. You're going to have a drought. So it didn't rain. God told him it was going to rain. So what did he do? He went to God and prayed for God's will to be done. God told him it was going to rain. But it still says that in 2020, uh, going down in verse 23 of, of Luke uh, 1 Kings 18, goodness. Uh, he said in 41 and 42, 1 Kings 18, he put his head between his knees and he prayed. And I don't know, he doesn't say there all the things he prayed for, but no doubt he prayed for rain because God had revealed that to him. So he prayed for God's will to be done. It's so clear. And, and just one final note here about God's will. Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 11, God told Jeremiah, Israel's going to be in captivity for 70 years. But he also told Jeremiah later on in in Jeremiah 29, and he says, but when that time comes, when the 70 years is up, you're going to come to me and you're going to pray to me and I'm going to deliver Israel. Then you look at Daniel chapter 9 and it says there that Daniel read what God had said to Jeremiah in 25:11 and he prayed for God to fulfill his will and bring Israel back to the land. Daniel was praying for God's will to be done. Yes, in these particular instances he knew what God's will was because he read what God had, the promise God had made to Jeremiah. But he still prayed for that to happen and he still prayed for God's will. Uh, so, God, so, so Jeremiah's, uh, I mean, Daniel's prayer was all according to God's will. That's what we want to do. That's where we want to be. And you look at uh, Jacob who wrestled with the angel of the Lord Jesus all night because he said, well, I won't let you go till you bless me. Well, it was already God's plan to bless him. God knew he was going to bless him. And frankly, I know this is maybe reading a little into the text, but I think the whole time they wrestled, God was saying, come on, Jacob, come on, Jacob, don't give up, don't quit, keep praying, keep praying. He was teaching him to be persistent. And if you notice, it was after that that he told his wives, put away your idols. He really came to a full understanding. Uh, We don't have time to go through all this, but... The point is this. God has a plan. And the first purpose in our prayers, obviously bringing him glory and communing with him and so on, but it's to discover his will. He didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted it, but I did learn his will. And I have to be thankful for the 56 years that he gave me And I have to embrace his will as David did when the child died because that brings him glory. And is that really my purpose in life or is those just fancy words? We're not praying to get to serve ourselves. Truly God-centered prayers are asking for his will to be done whether it goes against our will or not. We pray in a way that will bring glory to him. His will be done. and let's, let me make another quote here. "Our Lord has ordained not only the not only the uh, he's ordained the means as well as the end, and it is his design that his prayers, the prayers of his people should be the means by which he." is moved to act. So that you can participate in His decisions. You can just dis- you can participate in His plan and purpose. You are a part of it when you pray, M- but not my will, but thine be done. Because He's ordained that you would come to Him and seek Him in prayer. And then He uses those prayers, which is already worked out. Somehow or other, in, in eternity past, he has molded and infused His will with somehow with an answer to your prayers. I don't know how all that works, but He's already looked down the corridors of history and He knows what He's going to do. And no, your prayers aren't going to change it. So, you, what you want to do is align yourself so that you're on the same page with Him. That your, your, your uh, His will. When I pray, I say, "Lord, make Your will my will. Make Your heart beat." One with my, make my heart beat one with your heart. Make my will, your will. I want our hearts to beat as one. I want to be on the same page with you, not only morally and ethically, but also in the design and purpose you've you've set apart from eternity past for my life. I, I don't know that. I can't say that unless I'm praying with a true conviction. Lord, make your will my will. And if you answer my prayer differently than what I've asked, give me the strength, the power, and the faith to embrace it. Rejoice in it. And follow you in all that you've determined for my life. Jeremy Taylor said this years ago. and lived in the 1600s. We'll close here. Prayer is the ascent to the mind of God. Remember what Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 says? The Holy Spirit intercedes with groanings to that they divide that they, they they beyond words. The Holy Spirit intercedes with words and carries your prayer to God in accordance with his will, not yours. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. When you pray, you give your prayer to Him. He takes it to the Father because He knows the mind of God, and your prayer goes to the Father according to the Father's will, not yours. Prayer is the ascent to the mind of God, Romans 8, 26, 27. Prayer is an act of worship, confessing his power and his mercy. It celebrates his attributes and confesses his glories and reveres his person, implores his aid, and gives thanks for his blessing. It is an act of humility, condescension, and dependence expressed in the prostration of our bodies and humiliation of our spirits. It is an act of love when we pray for others, it is an act of repentance when we confess and begs pardon for our sins and exercises every grace according to the design of the man in the matter of prayer. John Bunyan said, Prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate pouring out of the heart or soul to God through Christ and the strength and, the strength and assistance with the strength and assistance of the Holy Spirit for such things as God has promised or according to the word of God for the good of the church with submission, listen, submission and faith to the will of God. And everything I've said doesn't mean that all of a sudden everything is just going to be fine next week. I'm going to have to struggle with this the days and the weeks to come, even the months. But with my Lord and my God who has revealed His will to me, and for your, with your prayers and your support and your love and the leadership we have from Joe and Abner and Chris and our pastor and our elders they won't all be dark days there will always be a little glimmer of light because of your investment in my life and my investment in your life as we pray for each other and God gets us through this terrible place called the world. And we're reminded that he has said, I have overcome the world. And greater is he that is in you, First John 4, 4, than he who is in the world. Bring your prayers before him, intercessory prayers, but also pray to him. Seek his glory and his honor Begin your prayers with adoration. Confess your sin. Thank him for all that he's done. And then bring your petitions. And then, in his answer, as he reveals his will, you can give him glory, which is what he deserves and which is what he wants. Father, thank you so much for these dear folks who have gathered. Thank you, Father, for the opportunities that you give us, even in the midst of sorrow and suffering and difficulties and trials. Lord, you have not called us to be silent. As you told Elijah, gird your loins up like a man, for I have work for you to do. You're not done yet, Elijah. But what a wonderful moment when God took him to heaven. And he is now there. But you honored the life he gave to you. And Father, you will honor our lives as we give them to you in service and submission. Even when things happen that we're not comfortable with, which we wish had gone the other way. But yet, Father, you have a purpose and we have to follow that purpose. We have to love that purpose. We have to embrace that purpose. We have to rejoice in that purpose, whatever it is. That you might reveal yourself to your people and reveal your strong arm to support us and strengthen us and be a shield to us even when difficult times come. Because even in Lamentations chapter three, Jeremiah wrote, Did not, does not God bring to pass both the ill and the good? Does anything come past him? that I mean, does anything flesh itself out in this world that hasn't first gone past you, whether it's good or evil? Did you not let Satan torment Job? Satan didn't discover Job. You pointed Job out to him because you had a purpose and a plan. Where were you when I founded the earth? Oh, Lord, we just thank you so much for these truths. Help us to gather them into our hearts and our lives and live by them. Not that they just become words that we read on paper, but words that we take into our lives and give over to the indwelling power of your spirit to change us and and mold us and fashion us to be more and more like the people you've called us to be and to live our lives in unity as we heard this morning so that the world can see the living God in us. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name.